1996, Chris Carter followed up The X-Files with the darker, arguably more sophisticated series, Millennium. Fans yearning for Frank Black's heroic return can revisit past nightmares and see glimpses of a hopeful future in the new feature-length documentary, Millennium After the Millennium. Villain Media affirms the documentary establishes how relevant the former Fox series still is to society. UK Film Review says Jason D. Morris creates an enthralling documentary. Screen critics calls it an absolute must-see, featuring new interviews from Lance Henriksen, Chris Carter, Frank Spotnitz, and many more. Millennium After the Millennium is available now at thetimeisnowmm.com. This is who we are. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Maybe I don't care. Have a drink. All the gin joints and all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. Didn't do it. Why not? The whole thing's been wrong from the beginning. I feel dirty. Is there anything I can do? Please, Dix, can't you relax for a second? My name is Nep, Walter Nep. I was thinking about that dame upstairs and the way she had looked at me. He's looking at you, kid. Yesterday, this would have meant so much to us. Now it doesn't matter. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. You're right, you're right. Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo-noirs of today. Each week, we're going to deliver a discussion of our analysis of classic noir films, and occasionally we'll interview up-and-coming directors and writers of new neo-noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Jason D. Morris and Carly Street. Are you going to introduce this one? No. We're never going to be able to get you to do this, are we? Probably not. Hmm. Maybe like the hundredth episode. You're making the hundredth episode. Yeah, it'd be like a special. We'll be like a hundred years old. <laughs> Maybe I'll be dead by then. Like on this episode, <laughs> shit. Where well, are we going to watch again? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Man, if we can't even hardly work Skype. Now, what's it going to be like when we're 100? Yeah, but in the future, maybe it'd be so technical that we'll just think Skype and it'll just ping. Oh, Christ, that's dangerous. What if I'm, like our crazy minds go wandering like, boom, Keanu Reeves, <laughs> right there. <laughs> Access denied. Restraining order in effect. <laughs> <laughs> they can't keep me away. <laughs> Flimsy bit of paper. I'm surprised you haven't flown out here already. <laughs> On the edge. I'm 50-50. <laughs> if, there wasn't a, if there was an exact location, then... Pff, oh, there is the an exact location. He's in San Francisco right now doing stunts. Yes, but there's a lot of bits of San Francisco. Yeah, it'll For be... just one bit. It'll be pretty easy to find. Well, that's dangerous information. <laughs> it'll be in like the, you know, touristy places that people recognize and things like that. I get myself some some shades and like a black coat and just pretend I'm just wander around, see if I can be an extra. <laughs> I'm with these guys. <laughs> the guy's still trapped in the Matrix. That's me. I'm one of them. <laughs> All right, Carly. Uh, we are opening up episode number six, I believe. I can't ever remember these. 
numbers. Do we even need to have episode numbers? Is that a thing? Do other people do numbers on their episodes? I don't know. I don't know. Do the cool kids do that? I don't know. I'm definitely not a cool kid. Professionals? We're not professionals either, so... <laughs> Are there professionals? <laughs> Maybe we should separate ourselves from the professionals and the cool kids. Right. And this is actually episode number seven. Because I told you I was bad at math, and mm -hmm. that's not going to change. <clears throat> so, today, before we get into um, the movie that we've watched, which I, I think we've already told you what it is, but... Our drink for today um, is a simple one. Um, it's pretty strong, you know, I guess. Um, so today's drink is gonna be a pretty simple one um, and it's called a Noir Neat. Um, and neat basically means that there's no ice or anything in it, um, straight. Um, and it is two ounces of Contru. That's it. Damn it, did I fuck it up? <laughs> Contreu. Contrary. Con contrary. Con it's con contrary. Oh, no, I can't say it. Contro. 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 I, Maybe. My apologies. I even looked this up. I even clicked the little button that has the speech thing that tells you how to pronounce it. And I and still, still said it, it wrong. Yeah. And I have some sitting on my shelf right here because I'm drinking it. And. I still couldn't pronounce it. <laughs> Did you drink too much? <laughs> no. Well, it's a it's a tricky word because it's it, it looks like it's you know phonetically it looks like it's coin treu, but it's pronounced k a n k a a n so con or yeah con I guess I don't know whatever you guys at home you probably know what it is you've been drinking this stuff for years. Right. I'm pronouncing it properly. I've been drinking it for years. I, I put it in things and you know whatever, but um, I've never. I don't. I don't think I've ever drinking it. Drink it straight before. But. So <clears throat> this is just a straight drink. Two ounces of uh, con shit. Con true. <laughs> Do it wrong. Again. <laughs> and it's served in a cognac glass. Or sorry, con cognac snifter. Snifter. That's what it's called. Just cognac oh, glass to me. Yeah. I said, no, it's a snifter. Yeah, I didn't, I, I don't know, do you sniff cognac? I guess so. That's a, not a nice word. Snifter. Snifter. Fun word, snifter. It's served in a cognac snifter. <clears throat> and that's our drink for tonight. I'm having one right now. Uh, Carly's probably still on the gin because she can't get off the gin. But... It's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. <clears throat> um, and yeah, so it's, uh, it's, says that it's dry and sweet. I don't think it's sweet, but I guess it depends on um, the kind you get, because I think they have a couple different kinds. Um, it's a blend of uh, orange liquor with cognac. Um, and the... What does this say? I will just cut that out. <laughs> All right, so drink along with us. Uh, it's a sipping drink, and um, you know, hope you guys enjoy it. Um, this is my first time drinking it straight, so I'm, I'm sure I will. And Carly, um, enjoy your gin, which I can pronounce properly. 
Uh, tonight we're going to talk about um, another neo-noir film that in my opinion is, it's so noir that it feels almost like a classic noir film opposed to a neo-noir. Um, and it's one of my favorite, it, it's, in, it's in my top 20 film, favorite films easily. It's hard. I, Interesting. Yeah, I have a hard. I have a hard time placing films like, you know, in an order, but I definitely would say it's in my top twenty. If I was going to give you a, a list, I love this film a lot. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it's so noir. It feels like it. It easily you know should be a, considered a noir classic, even though it wasn't made in the time period. Um. And that's even being in color and yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's very well done though. Um, yeah. but anyway, um, the movie is LA confidential. They were three cops who had nothing in common. Freeze. Big B, what are you doing here? Hey, you know, man, I'm keeping the streets safe, boys. One would do anything to get ahead. You're truly prepared to be despised within a department? Yes, sir, I am. One had his own brand of justice. How's it going to look in your report? It'll look like justice. That's what the man got. And one loved the spotlight. What exactly do you do on the show, Jack? I teach Brett Chase how to walk and talk like a cop. The Night Owl Massacre. This is a heinous crime that requires swift resolution. Six victims. One of them, one of our own. Interrogations will be led by Lieutenant Edmund Exley. I need some backup. Come on. All right, college boy, I'll help. Now. All of them are faced with solving one case. Don't move! I want confessions, Edmund. Oh, I'll break them, sir. These people are all in the morgue. And someone has to pay for it. There's something wrong with the night owl. I just can't prove it. They thought they had it all figured out. Anything bothering you about the night owl case? The fact that you guys won't let it get filed away. I didn't kill nobody! But what started as a murder... You talk only to me on this one. ...became a mystery that could cost them everything. Why was Susan Lefferts at the Night Owl? I don't know. I never heard of the Night Owl till today. How about some payback, big time? We need evidence. I'll get the evidence. It was an information exchange. Do you have any proof? The proof had his throat slit. What do you want, actually? I just want to solve this thing. Even if it means paying the consequences? Russell Crowe, Guy Pierce, James Cromwell, Kim Basinger, Danny DeVito. L.A. Confidential. your uh, rundown of uh, the synopsis for this movie? My famous rundown. Famous, famous, yes. Now, I've, I've, I've redone this a couple of times. Oh. I didn't want to trigger you like I did with Memento <laughs> by calling Guy Pierce pretty. 
Um, so this is, there's been a few changes. So in this one, Carter's going to be like, and starring Guy Pierce, who's super hot. Who's so beautiful. No, I cut it off. I cut it out because I thought I'm not listening to you rant for half an hour about his hair color. Which, which is, is natural in this, I think, which right? Which is what happened last time. Right. So the Hulk, a Boy Scout and a glorified National Enquirer snitch investigate the seedy underbelly of filth that is Hollywood. Wow, you're so good at this because this movie is Thank so you. freaking complicated. I sat here and I tried to think, like, how would I how would I describe this movie? Like, how would I tell somebody what this movie is about? And I, it just it's so freaking complicated. But In a nutshell, that's what it is. Yeah, brilliant. Well done. Thank you. <clears throat> wow. That was impressive. Yeah. That really was impressive. Thank you. I also, I'm quite impressed because I managed to get the individual characters uh, in there because, I mean, Bud is the actual Hulk. Yeah. When he loses his shit, it's like Hulk smash. Right. Um, I mean, you in, in the you missed a few of my favorite characters, but you, it didn't. They didn't need to be in that synopsis at all. They did not. Nope. No. Yep. Um, you're welcome. Yeah. No. Seriously, that was that was very well done. That was uh, wow. You're so good at this. I know. So um, you need to do better in our movies. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I was hoping that wasn't going to come up. <laughs> All right, folks, I'm sure most people have probably seen this film. Um, L.A. Confidential is a 1997 film. It's directed by Curtis Hansen. Um, he also directed uh, films uh, Hand That Rocks the Cradle and River Wild and Eight Mile. Um, I actually love all three of those other films as well. Um, so, And I didn't know. Um, I never really looked into the director um, or knew who he was, but I'm a fan so far. Um, that was a big declaration there, wasn't it? As if he was listening. Hi, I'm here. Well, I'm a I mean, fan. Even regardless, just to everybody else, I mean, he's he's obviously a fantastic director. I love all those films. Even as like um, under the radar, like River Wild was, um, you know, I I loved that movie. I thought it was fantastic. I don't know if you've seen it, but Kevin Bacon and uh, Meryl Streep and yeah. Anyway, great movie. Oh, I'll put it on my list. Yeah, it's a good movie. It's it's got its noir elements, but it's you know it's not it's an action sort of. Uh, I wouldn't call it a heist movie, but it's like a couple dudes that are. Um, I can't remember exactly what they did. They robbed somebody or did something wrong or whatever. And uh, anyway, watch it. That's not what this podcast is about. River Wild's a good movie. Obviously, oh, I'm, you should watch Lucky You as well that he directed with Eric Banner. Lucky You. Yeah, you'll hate it, but. He directed it, so you're a fan. I might check it out. I'm not a big Eric Bana fan. He's okay. Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore is awesome. I like her. There we go. Sold. Sold. (laughs) And I would say, speaking of Drew Barrymore... No, okay. (laughs) Just watched uh, Firestarter the other night. Love that movie. Um, So, yeah, directed by Curtis Hansen. Um, It stars... A lot of freaking people. Yep. <laughs> so many, I didn't even write down their names. But as you know, people like James Cromwell, um, um, Carly's favorite, um, you know, whatever his name is. I can't even remember it now. 
something <laughs> something Jimmy Price is that his name? What? <laughs> Guy Pierce. <laughs> Jimmy Price. Um. Danny DeVito. Yeah, I don't. I mean, do we really need to go through the whole list of names here? There's I don't. So we're going to be here a while. many people. Yeah. <laughs> going to be here a while. Oh man. Although, how do you pronounce Kim? Whatever name, Kim, surname. Kim Basinger. Is, it's is it Basinger or Bassinger? I I think it's I think it's Basinger, but I don't know. I've always called her Kim Basinger. We'll just call her Kim, shall we? I could do my little thing where I try to find the pronunciation, but that... Well, it didn't go very well <laughs> previously, did it? So obviously it won't go well. <laughs> we might just upset Kim fans on the internet, which I'm not really <laughs> looking for, to be oh, honest. She's amazing, though. I mean, this is probably hands down my favorite film that she's in. I thought she is just stunningly gorgeous. And I always found her to be an amazing actress. Um, yeah, I just, she's just amazing in this movie. Um, real quick though, just to get back to this, because we don't want to leave anybody out here. Kevin Spacey, Russell Crowe, Guy Pierce, James Cromwell, David Strathairn, who's also in River Wild. Um, Kim Basinger, Danny DeVito. Um, I can't, God, there's so many people in this. There's so many other, like, um. I told you you shouldn't have started it. Yeah. There's just so many people in this movie. It's just amazing. Those are your headliners though. Um, and the movie is based off of a, um, a series of books uh, from, I believe it was 1990 uh, by James Elroy. Um, and I think it was it's called like the L.A. Quartet series. Um, and I haven't read them, but I think that the L.A. Confidential book is also the basis for the video game from Rockstar um, called L.A. Noir. And I could be wrong on that, but I, I think that might be correct. Oh, that's interesting. And I also love that game. That game is awesome. It's amazing. Um, a lot of people don't like it because there's not enough quests or this and that or whatever. I am so bad at games that all I did were side quests and I still haven't finished those. So I don't know what people are talking about. <laughs> I watched my husband play it and it seemed very good. It's amazing. It's really cool. I love it. <clears throat> and I'm glad I didn't finish everything because then I can go back at any time and just play like a little piece of it to get my noir fix. <laughs> and it's very it's very much like LA Confidential you know you could play the tough guy or you can play the dogged piano you know there's so many different ways you can do it <clears throat> but as most games there's also the driving portion of it and I suck at games to begin with and when you get me in a car in a game I'm terrible I'm like running people over and stuff like that not on <laughs> purpose but I think Crazy Taxi would be your game. I feel like you'd be good at that. Maybe. I don't even know what that is, but my wife probably would, you know, call me a <laughs> crazy driver when she gets in the car with me. Yeah, Crazy so. Taxi is like someone just like dives in your, your taxi and you just you just have to get them like to where they go in the fastest and it doesn't really matter if you run over people or anything. <laughs> they just, they can't jump out. You can't be that bad that they run away because oh. you don't get the fare. But if they pay you, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. That's funny. Kim Basinger, I think we're talking about. Ba Kim Basinger is awesome. And also she won, let's see, uh, the movie was nominated for nine Oscars. Unfortunately, it was up against a tentpole, Carly's favorite, The Titanic. <laughs> I don't like The Titanic. 
so, unless it's got a two after it. <laughs> I only like talking about it if it has a two after it. I don't even like talking about the Titanic. <laughs> the only good thing about the Titanic was Billy Zane, in my opinion. <laughs> so, God, I, well then that's the bottom of the barrel, isn't it? If he's the best thing going for me, yeah, I I love Billy Zane, but fuck that movie, <laughs> I hated it. <laughs> I'm not a DiCaprio fan. I'm not a Kate Winslet fan. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. I didn't like it. <clears throat> Poor LA Confidential. It had no chance, did it? No, not really. And it's such a brilliant film. It's so much better than the Titanic. So much better. The Titanic it was just, I mean, come on, really? I don't know. I could talk about that for an hour just in hate. But Ellie Comfort is just a well-crafted film, great casting, great cinematography, great directing, great script. Everything about it is just phenomenal. I can't think of a bad thing about it. Um, I really can't. So it was up for nine Oscars, and that's, you know, makes sense, you know, uh, but it only, it won two. Um, my favorite, best supporting, Kim Basinger. And rightly so, best screenplay. Um, so if anything, I mean, those are those are two of probably the best awards that, uh, you know, I'm happy that it took home. Um, should have also won best picture, best direction, like so many other things. Um, if anybody in the film, though, I wouldn't give in to Guy Pierce. I, I, he's perfect for the role. Don't get me wrong. He is perfect for the role. But the more and more stuff I see him, he's just him. Um, and that's, I don't know, probably my biggest issue with them. Kevin Spacey, though, is just fantastic in this movie. Um, Danny DeVito is kind of always the same, but it's, again, just like Guy Pierce, he's perfect for that role. Yeah, he's just so funny. Yeah, he's, he's really <laughs> When he great. just pops up like, oh, it's him again, causing mischief. Yeah. And then Russell Crowe is, is really good, too, but he just seems like that bruiser kind of type. So, I mean, I, you know, he kind of See, plays... See, I'm Go not on. the biggest fan of Russell Crowe. Mm. Generally, yeah, I think he's great. I, I think he's a, a good good actor. I, I loved uh, Gladiator. Um, it's a fantastic movie. Um, I thought he was really good in this. Um, and I thought him and uh, Basinger were a great pairing, honestly. But <clears throat> I'm disappointed that it didn't win more the Academy Awards. Well, um, you do hide your feelings well. Yes. Shut up. <laughs> uh, again, like a lot of the films actually we've been talking about, um, this film has also been selected for preservation uh, by the Library of Congress. Um, and do you guys oh. have anything like that over in the UK? I'd probably have to research that because I'm not too sure. I'd be curious because, I mean, is this strictly an American thing and we're just, you know, I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. Get back. I'll get back to you on that one. I'll have a bit of a Google search. Yeah, and I believe that they, um, where they're preserving the movies, that I think it's in Kansas, um, if I remember right. I'd have to look that up too. <clears throat> but I thought that was pretty cool because it's you know, is Titanic has Titanic been preserved by the Library of Congress? I don't know. I hope <laughs> not. Oh my I, God! What's going to happen if it has been? I hope not. <laughs> I feel like Kansas is in trouble. <laughs> Did you hear, by the way, that they built another Titanic? Oh. 
And it's supposed to sail out like on the anniversary of the Titanic sinking. Well, this is all old news because Titanic 2 already did that. Isn't and that, that didn't go well. So <laughs> Obviously. Shane Van Dyke predicted this about three years ago. So, right. you know. <laughs> it's so crazy. <laughs> you couldn't pay me to get me on that bloody ship. Right. And I can't believe <laughs> no they're doing way. it again. I mean, okay, in a, in a, in a Z movie... <laughs> Because that's what the asylums are. They're, they make Z movies, not even B movies. Um, but they're well, they're fun. better than bloody Titanic, they're aren't fun. they? Yes, yes. Titanic Two is head and shoulders above Titanic. <laughs> it's one of the few films where the sequel's better than the original. <laughs> <laughs> I just took a mouthful of coffee, then it nearly went everywhere <laughs> laughing at that. <laughs> So, hey, Carla, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. In 1996, Chris Carter followed up The X-Files with the darker, arguably more sophisticated series, Millennium. Fans yearning for Frank Black's heroic return can revisit past nightmares and see glimpses of a hopeful future in the new feature-length documentary, Millennium After the Millennium. Villain Media affirms the documentary establishes how relevant the former Fox series still is to society. UK Film Review says Jason D. Morris creates an enthralling documentary. Screen Critics calls it an absolute must-see, featuring new interviews from Lance Henriksen, Chris Carter, Frank Spotnitz, and many more. Millennium After the Millennium is available now at thetimeisnowmm.com. This is who we are. All right, guys, we're back. And we're going to keep talking about this film. So one thing that I thought was really cool, what Hanson did um, when he uh, started this movie. Okay, so there was a pilot that I believe that he shot. It was originally going to be a TV series. Um, and I think that it's on the Blu-ray or the DVD of the film. Um, and I, I remember, I recall watching it several years ago and I was like, oh my God, I'm glad this wasn't a TV show because it didn't even come close to the quality of the movie. Um, and I think that it still can be, and I, I believe actually somebody else has tried to turn it into a TV show recently, but he did such a better job with the film than the, uh, the TV show was. Um, and I don't know if you had a chance to see that, Carly, but you should check it out. It's not like it's no, terrible, I but it's um, it's nowhere near as good as this film. Um, but what I thought was interesting is that before he made the movie, in order to get everybody sort of on board with the style and the tone and everything, he held like a mini film festival uh, for the cast and crew to give examples of all of that as to what he was sort of going for. And the movies... Um, that he uh, selected were all, um, he had certain ideas as to like why, you know, we're watching this movie. All right. But the films that he, he selected were The Bad and the Beautiful, um, In a Lonely Place, The Lineup, Private Hell 36, and Kiss Me Deadly. Have you seen any of those? Well, we, we know that I've seen one of them, don't yeah, we? Yeah, me too. In a Lonely Place. Yeah. Have you seen any of the others? I might have seen Kiss Me Deadly. Yeah, that's the only one that I think that I've seen too. But I, yeah. I can't recall it. I can't. I couldn't tell you what it is. 
And Lonely Place is one of my favorite films. But I'm going to have, I think we should add these to our list. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that'll be fun to kind of go through. Um, maybe even do them sort of like in the same order um, that he screened them. I think that would be kind of fun just for the hell of it. <clears throat> but I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought that was a great idea. Um, and I also read about uh, production-wise how he specifically said he didn't want to stylize it as a classic noir. He didn't want the the lighting and all that kind of stuff. He wanted to sort of speak on its own and um, put all of the style and the noir and period stuff in the background. Like he just wanted to paint the background with you know that sort of era and class. Um, and then let the actors kind of speak for themselves in the, in the story unfold, which I thought was smart and brilliant. And I think that's the reason why when I watched this film, it feels so much like a classic noir because it doesn't actually have anything to do with like the lighting and, and any of that kind of stuff that most people associate noir films with, um, other than the story and the characters. So I think that was a brilliant directing choice on his part. Um, otherwise, yeah. I think it would have eventually come off as just being a little cheesy and dated eventually when people would go to rewatch it. And as it is now, it feels like it's a uh, not not a period piece, really. I mean, even though it is, but it it's hard to describe. It just it really feels like classic noir to me. Yeah, it just slots right into that time period. Right. Doesn't it? I'd say. Yep, absolutely. <clears throat> All right, so um, yeah, this is a super complicated movie, in my opinion. What do you think? Well, put it this way: I've got three pages of notes. Yeah. That, yeah. Let's but, go I through mean, it. it. It's <laughs> no, because it's all just kind of saying the same stuff. Great. But that's how like complicated it is. But I don't know. I like. Um, the main thing I like about it is the conflicting ideas. You know, like the the TV series is called Badge of Honor. Right. And like none of them have any honor. Mm-hmm. And even, then I like the... Even our straight edge Guy Pierce character, he's oh, like... no! God, what a what yeah. bum licker he is, isn't he? He's just an absolute... He'd, just, he'd sell his granny. Yeah, yeah. To get a promotion. It's all... I mean, he... His heart is in the right place, He's but he's doing bad things to get good things done, which leads to bad things. It's just classic human nature, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> They're all as bad as each other, aren't they? They just end up in each other's shoes at various points. Yeah, yeah. They definitely are in their own sort of bastard ways. They all have their own, um, you know, horrible qualities. And, and interesting enough are... Our two worst guys end up being the best, you know, Kevin Spacey and, and Russell Crowe's character. They they sort of come around and do a 180, which I think is especially Kevin um, uh, Spacey's character. Like he really is like, you know what? This is wrong. We got to fix this kind of thing. Um, and I thought that was cool. I really enjoyed that. Because he became a real bastard, man. It was like... At some point, I just started like, fuck, just, I hate seeing this guy. He's so gross. <laughs> yeah, just so smarmy and... Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like a lot of the stuff is, I mean, you know, I mean, it's obviously set, some of it's set in action because of him, but, um, you know, he redeems himself quite, you know, quite well. Yeah. Get shot. <laughs> well, that, but also he tries to, you know, kind of do his job. <laughs> yeah, finally starts being a police officer. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, that's what I was doing. That's what that badge is about. Oh, yeah. 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 Better go and do some police work. <laughs> I do wonder if the whole um, plastic surgery prostitute thing was like a real thing, if that actually happened. Uh, I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Um, I don't, I don't know if that was a, a real thing, um, just made up for the book or if that was, um, you know, something that actually happened back in the day. I, I didn't know that plastic surgery was really something that took place back then, you know? Yeah. I was quite surprised by that. Yeah. I suppose it's a brilliant idea though. Yeah. I, I assume that it must be because I don't think that they would, you know, a, a, a movie of this level would do something like that if it wasn't. You know, Take that liberty. Yeah, historically accurate to some point. Yeah. Plus, it leads to the best bit in the film when Exley's insulting Lana Turner, thinking that she's a prostitute. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's the first time he smiles. It maybe first and last time in the film he smiles. <laughs> yeah, and, and I could talk about Guy Pearce more because he just looks like he has a perpetual smile. I think that irritates me. <laughs> I, t- I thought it was hilarious, when, especially when Kevin Spacey just stood behind him like, no, that is Lana Turner. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. His face is a picture. Right. <laughs> See, my only problem is, is that I didn't really think that Kim Basinger... Don't you uh, dare... Don't had, you had a dare. lot to do. She didn't really have a massive amount to do. She kind of leaned in the doorway, looking lovely. Came out of an alcohol shop, looking lovely. Had some pictures taken, looking lovely. Got slapped in the face and still looked lovely. And then got a haircut and drove a car. All right. So for our listeners at home, we're officially hiring a new co-host for uh, the Speakeasy Noir cast. Carly Street has gone missing. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not saying she's bad. I'm just saying that she seemed a little bit wasted. She didn't really seem to have a great deal to do. Well, okay, so I think her character... I didn't character, say that was her fault, and yeah. she looked very lovely, and what she did do was wonderful. She just didn't really seem to do a lot of it. Yeah, and I think the reason why is because her character really is a plot device in of itself. Like, she doesn't have to do anything other than her job, which is a prostitute. Like, that's... She doesn't need to do anything. Like, that particular character, you know, it, it served its purpose in a different way. I mean, it, it changes... It changes some of the outside characters' perspectives, which is great. And I think that's the reason why she works so well and her acting talent is, you know, is on display for that. And, you know, I don't think she needed anything else to do. Um, I think just her ability and, and the character's ability to change, soften these very hard-edged men 
um, of that time or era. Um, and I think that's sort of a classic noir trope as it is. Uh, I, I think is um, was pretty important and, and pivotal, I think, for the entire movie. Because if she hadn't, would any of these people like really cared as much? You know, would they would they have ever shown that sort of um, better side of themselves? I don't think so. Um, so I, I, I do look at it as being kind of pivotal. And maybe she didn't have like action to do, you know, but I still think that her character was super important. If they took it out, I don't think that the movie works as well at all. Like, I just don't, I don't see any of them. Like, it just it, it makes Exley even a, more of a bastard. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it helps Russell Crowe's character. Um, it's a huge, like, driving force of um, the Hush Hush, Ma Hush Hush magazine and uh, Kevin Spacey's character. And, uh, yeah, there's so much involved with it. Um. But I guess, you know, you, you know, there's an argument there that she didn't have a lot to do in terms of, you know, actual business, I guess. Um, but I'm OK with that. I mean, I, I was impressed at the amount of alcohol that she purchases on a daily basis, to be fair. <laughs> she has a lot of men to entertain. She, she does. That's, that's a yeah. lot of beverages. That's right. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, I don't know. I, I I really felt like Kim Basinger was it was perfect for the role, and um, I I think it was just a pivotal sort of um, plot piece that needed to be there. That made it made it work well. Come on, notes. What you got? <laughs> you defended uh, Kim Kim Basinger very uh, admirably there. Thank you. I'm sure she'll be thrilled. <laughs> Kimmy, Kimmy, if you listen, give me a call. Internet defender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's your phone pinging. She must be listening. Uh-oh. Oh, that's her. Not. That's her. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> no, see, my notes are very um, scrappy and they all say the same thing. Um that I don't like Exley's shit-eating grin. Tingering? What's a tingering? A shit-eating grin. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Or a tingering, I don't whatever like, that is. I don't like Exley's tingering. <laughs> I don't like his tingering. It's <laughs> not, not down with that. <laughs> yeah, but he's your favourite guy, right? Ah, but no, not in this. Not in this. No. Is it is it because he plays the I character so well? Is it because of the type of character it is? Like, give me give me some insight here. I think I think so. I don't like Ed Exley. I mm -hmm. would have been quite happy if he'd have been shot in the face. Oh, because hmm. I think he's horrible. Yeah, he is. But and even at the end, he's still a bit horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I like Bud even more. I dislike Bud even more. What? But then I feel a bit sorry for him at the end. Why do you why do you dislike Bud? I just didn't really like him. I thought he was in on it for a little bit as well. And then I only started to feel a bit sorry for him when they started treating him like he was sick and he couldn't do anything anyway. And that's why he'd been partnered with that buzz. You know? So then when he ended up getting shot in the neck, I thought, oh, you're all right now. Because he got shot? Kind of, yeah, and he didn't speak, so... 
Nice improvement. Oh my goodness. Oh, I thought he was great. I love Bud. I think he's no, I, I, I do think the opening scene with him is one of the best opening scenes for a character. Yeah. That's, that's great. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he's our anchor in the movie. He's the, he's the everyman. He's the guy who does what he does because he's good at it and he might not like it, but he knows his place. Um, and he's trying to do better, and he does. So I, I felt like he was, he was fantastic. I really liked Russell Crowe's sort of strong, silent, um, tough guy sort of persona in this. Um, yeah, I, I, again, just fantastic casting. Actually, um, Guy Pierce, I, I really don't care for him too much as an actor, but, you know, they had some, you know, magic eight ball or something because he is just perfectly cast for Exley. This guy is just uh, a swarmy facade of do-gooder. Uh, it's just He just played it so perfectly. He's so stiff and obnoxious and narcissistic and all under a facade of doing good uh, at any cost, which makes the good just as bad as the bad stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, he just doesn't, I mean, it, it's, it's funny because it's, it seems like he starts off in the right direction, but quickly, and I believe it might've even been Kevin Spacey's character that sort of steered him that way. I can't, I can't quite recall, but something kind of steered him into a direction. It was like, yeah, I need to do whatever it takes to, to work my, my way up the ladder. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he was, he's just perfectly, like, a horrible person and character. Um, but I don't know, Carly. I don't, I don't, I do not agree with you with Bud or Basinger. Um, <laughs> character. I didn't say I disliked them massively. And I do like watching Bud Hulk out, guys. They are the best scenes. <laughs> when he just flips his shit. Right. Um, you know, like where... Exley's in the interrogation room, mm -hmm. going darting from one to the other. Yeah. And then Bud just shoots in with a gun, like, we're going to play a game of Russian roulette here. Yeah. That was a great scene. That was a fantastic scene, really. I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really good. Yeah. And that just speaks to the brilliance of the director in the script, which is really great. Let's talk about Danny DeVito for a minute. I love that. I love his character so much. <laughs> He's it's just so funny. I wish that, like, I wish he worked for us and, and we were part of Hush Hush magazine because I just think he's a riot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just think he's brilliant. He really is. And he's one of the few characters that are steadfast in what he does. He mm -hmm. he is who he is. That's He doesn't change at all. He's doing his thing. No. And yeah. he's kind of like, well, you know, they shouldn't be doing these things if they don't want it exposed. So right, exactly. Um, I loved him. I thought he was great. It was, you know, and and Hush Hush magazine. I think what that's actually based on um, a, a magazine from around that time. Um, I can't recall the name of it, but uh, I believe it. It was. Um, it's said to be the first sort of gossip magazine. Um, like Star or Inquirer oh. or something like that. Um, I can't recall the name of it right now, but um, it's supposedly based on a, um, 
a real magazine of the time that I think spanned like maybe 20 years or something like that, maybe longer. Actually, yeah, I think it was longer because I think it ran into the late 60s or something like that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm sure this kind of stuff was going around and, you know, there were plenty of corrupt police, you know, feeding information to the media and different things like that. And makes you wonder how much of that stuff that shows up in gossip magazines are true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you read any of the books, by the way? No, I haven't. Mm. We can have a pretty big book list after this, aren't we? Yeah, I was thinking about that earlier today. Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Um, and I'm surprised by um, even looking at some of the classic uh, films that we're talking about as well. How many are based on books? As you know, as well. It's not like it was. A, it's a new Hollywood thing. <laughs> even mm -hmm. back then, in the 30s and 40s, they were basing stuff on books. You know. <clears throat> even in, in this type of genre. Um, which, I mean, I guess there was a lot of source material, you know. <clears throat> Mildred Pierce, I think, well, yeah, it was a book as well. It was a book, yeah? Mm-hmm. But um, this movie always has made me want to read that whole series. Um, I, I just never had. I got such a huge pile of books that I haven't gotten through yet. I have a hard time, like, I mean, you can never have too many, I guess, but I have a hard time continuing to buy more books that just add to the pile. I don't have time to read, and I try to make time, but, you know. Yeah, I like to be uninterrupted. You know, like with a film, mm -hmm. you can stop and start. Yep. I, I can't with a book. If I get interrupted, it's down, it's shut. I'm not going back to that for it, ages. Yeah, it's hard for me, too, because I feel like I, I forget and lose sort of that feeling like I, I get so invested in the world and I feel like that I'm in it. And then if I set it down, it literally like takes me like a half an hour to kind of come out of it. It's weird. I don't get that really with a movie, but with a book I do. And I think it because you have to design the look and the style in your head that your brain just sort of like immerses yourself more. Um, and so I have a much harder time putting a book down and coming back to reality and then like later on picking, it takes me so much more time to get back into it. <clears throat> but you're right. Um, I've never been like a, an amazingly strong reader or anything. So I, I, you know, getting through an entire book is hard for me anyways, but I've been sort of training myself over the years to stick with it. And, um, but, uh, it is, it is more difficult to stop in the middle of a book and pick it back up again. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we're at that time, Carly, where we can we can rate the movie. Unless you Ooh, got some, you have you have something else to add in your huge list of notes that only basically says one thing. Yeah, this is welcome to my uh, my script writing. Basically, <laughs> ninety pages of the same thing. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. Were you shocked when you first watch it to find out who Rolo Tomasi was? I, I wouldn't say I was shocked. Um, I was a little shocked. See, I, I really wasn't because at the time, like in the late 90s and stuff like that, we had movies like um, Usual Suspects and Seven. And you like there was always that sort of like twist ending, you know, Sixth Sense, things like that. So I was I was expecting to either figure it out, you know, who it was or not. And it was just going to be kind of a MacGuffin sort of thing. 
Um, so I wasn't like super shocked, honestly. Oh, well, that's disappointing. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, don't apologize to me. Apologize to Curtis. No, I, I'm not saying it wasn't good and well thought out because it is. Um, it's a great like little plot point, you know. Um, but I wasn't I wouldn't say I was shocked because of it, you know, it it, um, it still held its power, you know. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was good. Were you shocked? Apparently you were. I was. I was. Yeah. It's quite shocked. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Maybe that's because I wasn't paying as good attention as you, though. <laughs> so maybe I was like, wow, what's going on now? <laughs> no, I don't think they really let on to it. You know, it's just sort of there. Just a little thing, but. <clears throat> oh, okay, yeah, great. I've got my answer. You can carry on now. Okay. So, um, yeah, let's. Uh, Let's rate this film. What what uh what are you gonna what are you gonna give it? I know what you're gonna give it, but go ahead. Well, tell us. Tell us. Well, what do you think I'm gonna give it? I think you're gonna give it a ten. Ah, incorrect. Because if, if you don't you what? <laughs> <laughs> Triggered. Uh, yeah. Listeners, remember, we are hiring. There's no pay. <laughs> no weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> but we're hiring as quickly as possible. No, that, that's brilliant. There's no pay. Um, and if you're not British, that's a huge plus. Oi! <laughs> Oi! <laughs> Excuse me. Good They're, luck getting someone to do this synopsis in a nutshell. They are far too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to Google every other word. That's right. It's true. <laughs> now, can, seriously, can I'm, I'm excited now? now. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what it is now. Oh, my God. It's not a 10. How could you not give this movie a 10? Go ahead. I give it a nine. That is not high enough. 9.5? Can we do a 9.5? No, we're not doing points. <sighs> we never agreed to points. It's true. It is a solid nine or it's not. All right. Jeez. This is a nine. We're leaving a whole bottle of gin on the table, Carly. It's unacceptable. <laughs> that makes my ball. <laughs> I mean, it's like a shot glass ball. <laughs> oh, man. Nine. Nine. Really? Nine. All right. Where did it fail? Um, there, there wasn't really a lot of uh, women around, and I was a little bit disappointed that Kim wasn't in it more. Huh. Okay, so it's from a sexist point of view. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Either more women or more guy piss. There we go. Listeners at home, Carly is sexist. They're my demands. <laughs> 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 yeah I, I do think that they're playing in a men's world so I, I think it's understandable and they're not going for the sort of the love story like on top you know um, yeah but which that, is what I, I actually like that because I do get fed up with love stories mm -hmm. everything's got to have a love story in it that's true um, yeah. I just was a little bit disappointed that she wasn't in it more she was a bit wasted, in my opinion. Yeah, I disagree with that, but I, I see where you're coming from. <clears throat> I think she played her part. Um, and I, I think had she been a bigger part of the outside story, I don't think it would have worked as, as strongly. I think um, her being a pawn, you know, a, a piece of the, the chessboard was, you know, just fine without her actually. 
And even still, she had her own thing with the blackmail and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, there's more. She's a she's a much deeper character, I think, than we actually get to fully experience in the movie. But um, I thought it was well done. So I disagree with you in full. And I give this film 11 out of 10. You can't do that either. It's 10 out of 10. <laughs> all right. So 10 out of 10 gin bottles or shots, whatever we're doing. Mm-mm. 10 out of 10 coin con contro contrus is our drink for tonight. Good lord, I think it's fantastic. I think it should have swept the Oscars. Um, stylistic tonality, acting, directing, script, everything about it. I just think it's fantastic. I, I, there's not a single thing in this film that I think was done poorly or bad. Um, the only sort of, if I had to find like an issue with it, the only thing that I could say is it was a little complicated. Um, you gotta, you gotta pay attention, you know, to the characters in the story to like really, you know, be able to follow along. That's, that's the only thing. But I mean, that's, that has to do with you as a person watching a film. Um, cause it's a, it, it's a complicated story, you know? I mean, it's simple if you ask Carly because she'll give you like a one-line synopsis and brilliantly like lays it out. <laughs> but it, for my Neanderthal brain, it's complicated. <laughs> it makes me wonder how these like people get into these sort of situations and like come up with these plots and I don't know. Anyway, very complicated, but it's good. It's fantastic. I loved it. Yeah, I think it balanced a nice big cast of characters well. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I think having them all be um, mainly known actors, especially for that time period, you know, pretty well-known actors, um, helped a lot because I think if there were people that you didn't know, it would have made the story even more complicated because you wouldn't remember, who was that person again? What'd they do? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was a pretty smart move. Yeah. You know, it, it's easier to keep track of because the characters are so drastically different. If they were, if they mm-hmm. were a little bit more closely resembling one another, you'd be a bit lost very quickly. Yes. Yeah. Yep. All right, folks, there you have it. Um, that is LA Confidential directed by Curtis Hansen, who does a brilliant job, um, with the whole slew of Hollywood's who's who at the time. And many of them still are. Um, based on the book from James Elroy, uh, L.A. Quartet series, which is on our list now to, uh, to read. Hopefully it's on yours as well, if you haven't already. <clears throat> um, if you guys want to give us a call, leave us a message, area code 818-643-1441, or you can find us, uh, on social media, Speakeasy and Orcast. Uh, we're on Twitter and Facebook. Um, yeah, and uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Leave us a message, something, suggest a movie, tell us, uh, you know, how much we dislike Carly, and uh, you know, apply for the job, apply for yeah. the, apply for my. Call and, and Kim, if you're listening, call me. Jason's very excited to to get your call. Yes, call me. All right, we will uh, talk to you guys later. Till next time. Bye bye. He's looking at you, Kim. us 
this week on the Speakeasy Noir cast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, available now on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films available on Amazon Prime. Thank you.